morning. I bring you greetings from uh, the Reformed Church in Zlín. I stood here 12 years ago, about 12 years ago, for the first time, and that was the year you were about to send the first mission team to Czech Republic. And at that time, I was not sure whether this would be just one-time event or whether this is a beginning of long-term relationship. And as it turned out, it was a beginning of long-term relationship. And you have been faithfully helping us to reach our country for Christ. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, we came... Ten days ago, and since that time, we have been feasting. Uh, great food, great uh, drinks, and even greater friends and conversations. So we have been enjoying your hospitality, and thank you for this. Uh, our God is a hospitable God. Our God is a little strange God. We believe in God who is Trinity, one God in three persons. And that's a little weird. You know, people think that we are not fully sane to believe in this. But we believe scripture teaches that. We believe that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, if we have three triune, hospitable God, our hospitality and his hospitality and our hospitality has to be very specific. You know, cultures, uh, they have their own ways of being hospitable. You know, Muslims, they have their own rules of hospitality. Jews have uh, rules about hospitality and other nations, other faiths. But our hospitable God is a unique God. So for this conference, I chose three different texts that speak about uh, individual persons of Trinity and their way of showing hospitality to us. So please, uh, let's read a text from John's Gospel, first chapter, first 14 verses. <coughs> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the world became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the glory only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word, the word that we can daily take and read, word that is light, and we are thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word, word. and thank you for giving us minds and hearts and through your Holy Spirit bringing us into your home so that we now understand your word, that we believe that it's true, we accept its authority. Thank you for a life that comes through it. May we be blessed today through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there are different conceptions of God. Uh, some people think that there is no God, that there is eternally some kind of matter, and that's it. Some people believe that there is eternal mind. Some people believe that there is something which we cannot really describe. It's above good and evil, uh, and we really don't know what is it, but it is. There are some people who, will, who believe that there are two eternal principles, good and evil, and these two principles fight together and will fight together for eternity. And we are somehow caught in the fight in between. Now, there are people who believe that the highest reality is personal, that there is a personal God, but he is a lonely God. Uh, and then there are Christians who believe that there is eternal community. Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. E eternal hospitality. Eternally hospitable God. Son, uh, Father who generates the Son eternally. Uh, Holy Spirit that, that proceeds from the Father and from the Son kind of heartbeat in Trinity. Eternal life, eternal sharing, giving, receiving, and giving back. Eternally hospitable God. So when we speak about our God and following and being like God, uh, because we were created in his image, we have to take this, to, this into account and think about God as triune God. Now we have clear commandments. Be hospitable, says, uh, for example, Peter in his uh, first letter. Uh, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Or a writer of the book of Hebrews says and reminds us to be hospitable uh, towards strangers. 
Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, why does God command us to be hospitable? Why do you, why, why do you hospitable acts? Why are you hospitable? Why do you do ministry, any kind of ministry? Why do you go out and share what you have and what you are with other people? What is the reason for that? You should have a reason. Well, maybe say, you say it's written down in God's word. Well, that's right. Why is it written down in God's word? God wants us to understand the reasons, the rationale behind his law. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were told what to do. They were under the guardian, under the pedagogos, under the law. And as children, they were simply told what to do. God told them some about why to do things, but in their own country uh, and uh, in their position in the history of redemption, they were mostly told what to do. But when Christ came and fullness came with him, God expects us to understand why he tells us things to do. Uh, why? Because we are to take gospel to new situations, to new contexts. You know, the situ new situation came, came immediately after Christ went to heaven. Suddenly there were only 11 apostles and they had to think about that situation. And they realized that it's important that there are 12 apostles, not 11. So they had to come with a certain criteria how to choose the 12th apostle from uh, those who were with Christ all the time. Another situation came shortly after. A lot of uh, converts toward Christ came from non-Jewish background. And you know Jews don't eat pork because pigs are, in the Old Testament, unclean animals. So there was a big question, can we eat and touch the same loaf of bread and drink from the same cup with those who eat bacon and eggs for breakfast and blood sausage for lunch and baby ribs in Jiminix for dinner? Uh, because uh, in the Old Testament, uh, uncleanness is contagious. You touch unclean thing, you become unclean. In the New Testament, a change comes. Holiness becomes contagious. So Jesus touches unclean people. He doesn't become unclean, but they are healed. And this was a new situation for Jewish believers. They had to figure out that. And thankfully, they figured out it well, because now we can eat our barbecue and be happy and... Uh, not to have guilty conscience. Now, what will you do if you are a missionary to Eskimos and there is Eskimo family, they convert, 
and they want to celebrate Lord's Supper. How will you do that? If you are a missionary to Africa and a man with four wives and 20 children converts and wants to become a Christ disciple, what will you do with that? No, there are new situations, new things, and God wants us to understand his heart so that we are able to figure out what he wants us to do and how to be his disciples in these new situations. So he wants wants us to understand the reasons for hospitality. Why are we to be hospitable people? Well, simply because we have hospitable God. Uh, I thought... I thought that it is interesting when I look at the flyer for this conference that there is a sign of heart and a sign hospitable God because these two really go together. Hospitality is a way through which God expresses his love. Now, there are other ways through which God expresses his love. God's holy anger is also expression of his love. His love toward justice and toward holiness. But there will come a time when there will be no more holy anger. There will come a time when the whole world will be holy. There will be no more sin. But there, there will never come a time when God will stop, be hospi- stop being hospitable God. He will always be the one who provides, who invites us to his presence, who feeds us and gives us his very self. His nature is hospitable. He is simply hospitable God. And for the sake of simplicity, just put equal between his love and his hospitality. Because what is love? What does it mean to love somebody? How do you describe love? Well, one of the ways you may describe love is that love is desire for good of the loved one without regard for one's own well-being or profit. To desire good for the loved one without regard to one's own profit or well-being. Now, if God loves us, he desires the good for us. And what is the highest good for us? He himself. So, when we look here, we see Lord's table. We see bread and we see wine. These are signs of God's very self, Christ's body and Christ's uh, Christ's blood. And we are reformed in our understanding of uh, Lord's Supper. So we do not believe, like Roman Catholics do, that this this bread has changed its uh, substance and it is real uh, and Christ is present here physically, but we also do not believe with Zwingli that this is just remembrance, uh, only kind of psychological reminder of what God did for us. With Calvin, we believe that Christ is spiritually present here. Uh, 
And that God is giving us his very self. This is a table that God set and we are to come and eat from the table. And he gives us his very self. And if we are created in God's image and want to be faithful, so when we invite people to our homes and set tables for them, the things we put on the table in a certain way also represent ourselves. You know, 100 years ago, the things you would put on a table would be things that you grew up in your own garden, would be uh, meat uh, of animals that you had to raise and had to tend. Uh, in these days, well, we make money to buy food, but it's still in some sense the fruit of your labor. But there is more to give than just uh, good food, more, more to offer than just uh, good drink. Because it would be little inappropriate and little inhospitable if you invited people to your house, set the table, put their nice juicy steak and nice glass of beer, <laughs> and then left and said, okay, enjoy the meal, but we are going out for walk. Oh, whoops. Uh, no. To be hospitable means to give your very self. We are embodied beings, like Jesus Christ was. And that there is a reason for that. Our bodies matter. Our presence matters. As I said in a Sunday school lecture, we are living stones. And our presence is important. So, uh, our God is hospitable. He gives us his very self. And he teaches us to give our very selves to others. And that's simply love. God is hospitable by, night, by nature. We are to acquire this virtue. When we speak about virtue, virtue means that it's a habit. It's something that became part of our nature. If we speak about person that is virtuous in sense of, for example, braveness. No, a man is brave. When he is brave. Well, when he is not coward, but when he is not also foolishly daring. Virtue is some kind of middle ground between two extremes. And a brave man is a man who does not brave acts here and there, but his, who is brave consistently. Hospitable person is person who does not do hospitable acts here and there, but is hospitable consistently. His very nature or her very nature, is hospitality. And that's where God leads us. He wants us to be hospitable people. Now, after this little long introduction, come back to, let's go back to our passage. Uh, we read in the passage that uh, the word 
came into the world. World. I'm sorry for confusing these two things. They are so close uh, for me. Uh, so, Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of Trinity, came into the world. And the world was supposed to, supposed to be hospitable place. Adam got assignment to make the whole world beautiful garden. From beginning, God meant it to reflect his own richness. Man, as the image of God, was to make world hospitable place, place where deep mutual sharing and giving would be a normal state of affairs. Ah, garden, beautiful garden, safe place, place where richness abounds. The problem is that Adam feasted at the wrong table. He feasted at the forbidden table. And instead of garden, he made world a desert. So when the word comes to the world, it comes into deeply inhospitable place into the place where hospitality became almost impossible. He came into his own, but his own did not receive him. There was no feast and celebration that the creator become, became a man and came to his own and brought such an incredible way of revealing himself. There was fear. Fear that the word that came into the world uh, would uh, bring something strange. So the world felt threatened. The world was critical, showed contempt, defensiveness, and refused and rejected the word. What did Lord Jesus do? Did he turn his back to the world? Well... He dwelt in this inhospitable place. Now the word dwelt means literally he pitched his own tent. He built his own tabernacle. He set his own booth and started to give away freely living water. So this desert-like place, no water, uh, dryness, thirst, hunger, loneliness, and then here, is, here it is, a well, an oasis. Green spring, palms, and that's how the hospitality of, son, of the sun looks like. Uh, I want to illustrate uh, what he did uh, through uh, one of the stories of John's Gospel, the story about Samaritan woman, which I think nicely illustrates what uh, happened and what happens when you meet and when you come to the oasis and when you take the living water that Christ offers, the water of Gospel. But before I do that, uh, let me give you some categories that can help us to understand the situation of the woman. Uh, 
Uh, Twelve years ago, when I was at RTS, they made me to read, they made us to read a book by John Gottman, uh, Why Some Marriages Succeed and Others Fail. So it was in a counseling class. You, some of you may have heard about this book about, or about this man. And the important thing about this book is uh, how he, well, are four things about which he speaks. He speaks about four uh, horsemen of apocalypse. You know, he uses some of the motives from John's revelation and speaks about four destructive ways of relating between uh, partners in marriage. These are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And he describes each of these ways of relating <laughs> quite uh, detailly. Uh, I will be very quick. Critical person is a person that criticizes the other one uh, generally. So the critical person doesn't deal with the specifics and doesn't try to solve the specifics, but criticizes his partner as such. So not you did a foolish thing, but you are a fool. Sweeping criticism, destructive criticism, not constructive criticism that helps to solve the differences of opinions that are necessary for every relationship. Now, this kind of criticism comes out of frustration sometimes when you are frustrated that things are not moving swiftly enough, that your spouse is not changing fast enough. Uh, and there is another level, and that's contempt. Contempt means that you are not just critical, out of frustration, that, but that you want to hurt. And because the two are usually f together for some time, they know each other's weak spots. Contempt is the most destructive of the four. And of course, if somebody is criticized or attacked, he gets or she gets defensive. Uh, an extreme form of, de of defensiveness is stonewalling where you don't send any signals. And Gottman says interesting thing. He says, well, women tend to be more on the critical side and men tend to be more stonewallers. And uh, sometimes men think that stonewalling is a good thing. You know, when you stonewall, you don't let things spin out of control. Uh, so you stop the argument by stonewalling before it gets really nasty. So they think, okay, well, it was not perfect, but at least I didn't do the worst thing. But what actually stonewalling is, is a very aggressive way of denying uh, what we are, you know. Because if we are created in God's image, the openness and communication, sharing of our beings is the norm. And stonewalling is the exact opposite. Now, when I preached through this material in our church during January, because, well, we have, our, our couples have problems in their marriages, 
So they, uh, we need to deal with this from time to time. I realized that these four horsemen, four destructive ways of communicating can become general ways of relating toward world, toward life. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. No, these are ways we use sometimes to protect ourselves when we fear. And if they become general attitudes in our life, if we are critical toward our lives, toward the people, toward the situations uh, that we happen to be in, uh, when we are defensive, when we stonewall, we are like a city that is under a siege. A siege city is a city where normal life stops. No more partying, no more barbecue, uh, no more evening walks. Everybody gets ready for fight. Normal, natural life ceases. No business done. Everybody gets ready for walk. Everybody, uh, war, war. Everybody is ready for the danger that's coming from the outside. And in hospitality, uh, hospitality is impossible in such a setting. Uh, so, when we read about this Samaritan woman, try to watch for these four horsemen in her communication with Jesus and in her life in general. Jesus is on his way <coughs> to Judea and he stops in Samaria at a well. I am sure you are quite familiar with this story. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside a well. It was about a sixth hour, that means uh, noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, <coughs> give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. 
Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Uh, so look at her. She is there alone. That's unusual. Typically, a bunch of women goes to draw water together. She is there in, uh, at noon during the highest heat uh, because probably nobody will be there and so she doesn't have to meet anybody because she is marked woman. She had five husbands, and now she is living with a man who is not her husband. Uh, she probably was very considered to be very weird in the town, maybe uh, cast on a side. And she herself is very lonely. How many times can you attach, attach yourself to a person deeply and lovingly once maybe twice but that's it then you get fearful because if you failed once or twice how about three third time if you fail it will take away part of your heart so now she is in the sixth relationship and that relationship probably is very instrumental i will Wash your clothes and sleep with you, and you will provide uh, money for me to live on. And that's it. Not much intimacy. Not much risks taken. Uh, so when she talks to him, she knows what is it like to live in a desert. In a place that have become desert. And she gets a little argumentative, little defensive. Uh, a little pokey. She speaks about important things of worship and questions uh, what Jesus did. <coughs> so we see her and she's coming to Jesus and she's willing to take what he says. She believes. She drinks from the water she offers. She believes the gospel. And she becomes a spring of living water. Because then we see her coming to the town and speaking to the people. And they listen to her. And they go to see Jesus. And they find out for, uh, for themselves that she was right. She's somehow restored. She's again part of human community. Part of the town. And that because she was healed. She drank from the waters. She 
let herself to be invited and became uh, and sat at Lord's table in his booth and was hospitably served. If we are to follow the hospitable son, we have to identify enemies of hospitality. I have been asking around in these 10 days I have been here, what has changed since I was here the last time? What has changed in your culture for the last 12 years? And uh, what I hear is that uh, your society is changing. Christianity is losing the ground. And people do what is right in their own eyes. At the same time, they are very sensitive and touchy. You know, aggression, microaggression. You know, ready to fight, ready to be critical, ready to be defensive. You know, you say a foolish thing, well, the lawsuit is behind somewhere close. Uh, that becomes, well, this, the culture that is in this shape is a culture where hospitality becomes more and more difficult because hospitality requires uh, spontaneity. You have to be able to relax at the table. You, sh you can't enjoy hospitality and be self-monitoring yourself all the time so that you don't say something inappropriate so that the others would not go after you. And remember, church is always prone to cultural captivity. The world we live in influences us. But church has to be a place where hospitality is possible. Now, I hear also that there is fear inside of church. Fear of, you know, not living the perfect Christian lives. Fear of being discovered that I am almost killed, that small thing that cried the whole night and didn't let me sleep. And that I've got quite serious argument with my wife. I don't want people to know this because uh, that's simply somehow embarrassing. I want to be a perfect Christian. But remember, to be hospitable means to give your very self, not your faked self, not a mask. To be hospitable and offer hospitality, you have to be honest. We all are sinners. We all have part of world in us. The third thing that I think is uh, uh, enemy of hospitality is complacency. You know, if you are complacent, you are happy with the state of affairs as they are. You don't take risks, but every act of hospitality is risky. If you offer yourself, you may be refused. You may be misunderstood. And uh, if you love others, you seek their good. You do not seek to create them in your own image. You know, you parents, when you raise your children, your goal is not to create from your children your own images. Your task is to find out what God's, what God's plan is for your children and raise them 
in such a way that God can create them in his own image. And that requires risk-taking. And complacent life is uh, against risk. Uh, so we are called to follow Lord Jesus Christ in the way he was hospitable to us. And thank you for being willing to share the burden with our church uh, in reaching to people. I always view the English camps we do as a sort of model what Jesus did when he came into the world, setting a booth in Moravian mountains where those who drank from Jesus' living water, from those, where those who know gospel come and invite those who do not know Jesus to taste. So, uh, please, continue. Uh, don't give up. And not just in the context of foreign missions, but uh, be missionary. Because... Uh, Every attempt to embody gospel is a missionary adventure. Every attempt at hospitality is a reflection of God's character. We are embodied beings. Learn to be hospitable. Practice hospitality. And God will bless you because that's what he is like and what we were made like to.